and welcome to uh, my Christmas edition of Cyberglass Ceiling. Today we're going to be talking about an old company I used to work for called Airwatch. And with me, I have Dave Horton and Jamie Brown. Welcome. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Dave? Yeah, I mean, um, Airwatch for me was kind of a, a, a platform to for growth. Like if I look at one point in my career where I grew the most, it was actually joining Airwatch. Prior to Airwatch, I was... Uh, um, I, I was an internal kind of application specialist for NHS and um, and government. Uh, so I actually used to work in the Guildhall at the road from here. I used to live on Guildhall Road. And so it was like, a, it was a very different kind of uh, uh, world, but coming into a fast-paced software company. And I think, um, you know, my, I, I was, I was really given a good opportunity. Like I, I uh, you know, if you look at the profile of someone that, it was to join your company that was going to be fast paced. Um, I was poss possibly a risk, right? But I think I was also quite cheap <laughs> to to get in. I was a very junior. I was much younger than I am now. Um, and so, you know, meeting the team like uh, like Ian, they're obviously on a growth frenzy. You know, trying to get as many people in as possible. Um, Dan Quintus, from a technical standpoint, obviously he was quite a an intense interviewer, and they had some really interesting challenges. Um, but it was, it was definitely the whole kind of experience leading up to mm. it was, was really key. And actually, um, how I came to know about Airwatch was I was looking at a MDM solution for, uh, the council and, uh, Paul Brown was my account executive calling me, trying to flog me some software <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, obviously looked at the profile of Airwatch while looking for solutions and was like, oh, okay, they're in Milton Keynes, you know, mm. that's, uh, that could be interesting, you know, so, uh, interesting how things kind of turn out <laughs> it, it, you know what it, it's, it's so I, I get that i mean for me um i i was uh, a microsoft head so um i was working for various resellers i think you were at one i used to work with um, oshi but, yeah we don't talk about that <laughs> but um everyone forgets the t at the end of it um but no i, I was a uh, microsoft uh, mcp yeah, in software licensing and stuff like that. And that was my background as all Microsoft. And um, I know I was looking for a new job. And of course, I was in Northampton. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, this came along. And uh, I met with John Marshall and Ian Evans on a Saturday morning. Mm. Um, and, and the boardroom had just been done. Um, so we literally just moved to, to Milton, the Milton King's office. Mm. And uh, I remember saying to you earlier, I got bored listening to John Marshall. Um, he's got a very monotone voice, and it was like, "Yeah, you're not, you know, you're not exciting me." But Ian, on the other hand, was, um, you know, different kettle of fish, and um, you know, Ian's. We'll, we'll talk about Ian Evans uh, in a little bit, but no, I, I went from Microsoft into the world of MDM, not knowing what it was, but then not a lot of people knew what it was, and we were there no. to disrupt. We were there to, um, you know, flood the market. And, uh, you know, later on in this chat, you'll, you'll, you'll um, we'll, you know, we'll talk about the success of it, but no, it's, it's good to know. So, um, there we are. So you were in the early days, Jamie. Yeah. So uh, when I, so, so when I first, so I said, yeah, you look, I'll, uh, I'll join. Okay. It, it looks, it's kind of fun. And I always remember that I got a, I got to uh, my offer le uh, letter and it goes to this office and then I got a, I think I got a text from Adrian. He said, don't, don't go to that office because we're not there. So it's like, oh my God, what have I done here? And he goes, go to the Regis office in Milton Keynes, just off the M1. 
So I was like, okay. And uh, so I, we was at this Regis office for about three weeks or something like that. And then we moved into Knoll Hill. So we was waiting for the Knoll Hill move. So a lot of um, a lot of disruption. Ian was flitting between uh, trying to organize things. It was a proper, we didn't have Wi-Fi. We didn't have um, phones. We had to use mobile phones. So it was costing an absolute fortune. Um, but did it stop you selling? Well, no. I mean, the fantastic <laughs> thing is we, 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 we really was just, like let's just go uh let's hunt business i always remember we looked at we had a blackberry 2008 list so we was calling those guys um and it was proper it was a proper hunting business and making do with what we had which was which was kind of fun kind no, of crazy indeed and dave you you were in the the tech side of the business so jamie and i were in the, the sales side and um we'll touch on on the sales how were you measured on, on a technical level? Um, because you guys had all the gadgets and, you know, whether it's unrolling, enrolling the devices and new devices come on the market, looking at whether it be an iOS or an Android. Um, were you guys measured on, on any success and how you could get the things done? Well, uh, I, first things first, I think it's great that you invited the SE to this, uh, to this <laughs> call. I think it, it could have been a sales kind of crony kind of crowd, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, when, when I joined, obviously, like I mentioned before, I was kind of hired on a bit of a risk, right? I didn't necessarily have, um, the, the skill set. I had some skills like in that area, like troubleshooting and obviously knew the market a little bit. Um, but when anyone technical came into the company, typically what happened was, uh, you'd start in support, which is kind of, you know, if you've worked in a company from a technical standpoint, support is possibly the worst place to work because you're just getting people that are upset especially if you're working with some ropey technology which you could argue we were at one point uh if anyone remembers silverlight and like that version of the platform and the wow. migration pretty much my first day was that migration and everyone's all hell's broken loose going fix the products i'm like what's it what do we do <laughs> it, was like, it was a real baptism by fire but everyone joined it through support and then if you uh, if you had some promise then you'd move to implementation um and then if you had further promise and you could kind of handle uh customer objections and kind of lead a, a sales cycle you know solutions engineering is kind of where people gravitated towards so it was really interesting i've actually tried to mirror similar similar things in companies since but mm. having that kind of path the way through to you know have progression for someone technical um you know when it comes to measurement i think initially it was like how many tickets did you close <laughs> it was kind of the the main uh, ob objective but as you started moving forwards it was like well can you close a deal can you do a good demo can you speak on behalf of the company um can you make sure that the sales team aren't selling fairy dust <laughs> you know to to customers and, and we were <laughs> a lot of the time um, I remember Ian Evans, uh, used this mantra, um, where he said, make hay while the sun shines. Mm -hmm. That was one of his mantras. And, uh, you know, now looking back, you know exactly what he meant because it was never going to last forever in, in sales as we were. Um, we, of course you're in sales, you're measured on your success on how many deals you close. And I always remember the, the novelty items that, you know, I've got a cube. You know, you had the cubes, you had God knows what else. Yeah. And then uh, the QBRs were these videoed QBRs. I don't know where they went. I don't know who saw them. Personally, I thought it was a pile of crap. 
Yeah, um, I, don't I don't think it went anywhere. But yeah. it was like when you do a QBR, um, and again we're we're ten years. I'm t- what was it ten years, eleven years yeah. since um, Airwatch? Well, when I was at Airwatch in 2012, anyway. Mm. Um, it's a case of now I'm, I'm head of sales and in management. Um, I wouldn't do QBRs how we did QBRs because mm. um, like, we're going to pick out your faults and why didn't you do this and why didn't you do that. Um, so, what's your memory, Jamie? Of I think I, I think the first thing the cubes were um, um, massive. I think it was such a simple idea, but it gave a real kudos to not just the salesperson but the sales team. Got to remember then we was very much uh, working closely with our engineers. We mm. was working really together to get from well from from birth all the way through from a deal, which was really, really important. So I think that some very cost-effective cubes were very effective with what they produced from the team um, uh, as a whole, and that just speared everybody to go on. I think from the QBRs, it was such a fast-paced environment. Um, it was important that we kept kept going, kept selling, but also kept innovating. And I think you've got to, from Airwatch, there was two things. It was a it was a lightning paced technology and it was a it was a real learning curve and I think all of the engineers and certainly the development team worked wonders to get that out mm. and you know from a sales perspective we uh, we really disrupted the market and we were allowed to go into some big organizations and really make our our mark and also you know um, and I think from an airwatch perspective the timing was just right Blackberry sort of like had the market there and then all of these new you know, solutions come out like Android uh, operating systems and obviously um, iPhone. And I, and I think to have a hungry and humble team join or congeal within this Milton Keynes environment and then go uh, with those gifts to the market and make sure our pricing was right, um, it worked well. So the QBRs were very interesting. I think as we, as we sort of like grew, um, they got probably a little bit more intense, but then I, I, and I think then we were just obviously on such a fast pace. Hmm. I, I think me looking back, we saw people, it's a sink or swim environment. I always look at Airwatch and I, I, I sort of smile and laugh and go, it's a bit like Wolf of Wall Street yeah, with or without the drugs or prostitution, <laughs> allegedly. Um, and I'll put allegedly in there, but um, it was that fast paced. Yeah. And us as, as sales guys, um, you could see that people who either sank or swam, and those that sank weren't there for very long. Yeah, you had to be. It was. It was. You had to be of the mindset that you're you're happy to go with the flow, and change is inevitable. It's not like you're going to change once a year because you just done a release of your software. It's like change is happening every other day. Yep. And if you didn't like that environment, which a lot of people don't, because they like consistency and they like and to know what they're doing this month, next month, of course, it's not going to be the environment for you. And, and rightly so, people shouldn't be working in an environment like that. But I think from an engineering perspective and from a sales perspective, those guys and girls that really enjoyed that pace and found it exciting. For me personally, I found it really super exciting. If it's the same stuff for the for a year or 18 months, I, I get personally bored. Yes, yeah, like, absolutely. I mean, that was a good thing about that product was it started out small. It was like, okay, we're... I mean, John initially it was wondering Wi-Fi, if you remember that yeah. term. It was basically AirWatch was the management platform for hotspots for Wi-Fi in hotels in the US. And like when iOS came out with the first APIs to actually manage devices, 
overnight he came back from you know an apple conference or something told the development team to stop what they were doing and focus on this and that's how it kind of started like mm. for what we know like the mobile device uh, aspect um the interesting thing was obviously then you had the different flavors of android you had windows mobile windows phone you had the whole blackberry and bears kind of integration and things like this and it we added new products so like you had con uh, mobile content management yeah, like uh, yeah all of these email, things email secure email yeah. <laughs> it, it you could see it in a very short period of time becoming a point solution to a platform mm, yeah. and i think that was um it was challenging because i think when we first came out with some of these products they were ropey is yeah. one way of putting it um and i think the the skill set that you had to have as a salesperson was to kind of convince the customer you know look at where we've been look at where we're going you know this is what we've got today but if you come on board like we'll yeah. we'll look after you and um you know when i was working internal it i remember i was working for the nhs and the ceo once emailed on his iphone at the time the only way was to install 10 servers just so he could get email on his iphone right and the mdm came along made it incredibly simple for big enterprise to get everyone yep. on their mobile everyone to have and it was such a lucrative thing that not not everyone was doing and so if you look at back at when you joined you joined at the perfect time because yeah. it was on the crest of a wave that was disruptive for uh the whole market yeah i remember in 2011 we was in noel hill uh and there was um i don't know four or five i remember we start it was the first year and we was just like finding our feet getting a few sales in and i was wondering you know where's this going you know with this technology and then in 2012 we just had a a massive uh explosion of staff from everywhere and yet, then you could see the vision that was there and i always remember on noel hill it was a two up two down and we got that crowded that we was doing demos um on the stairs basically <laughs> with people walking past you because all you had was these little cameras that was on on your oh. ipad or whatever it was at the time and everybody had to be quiet it was it was quite a it was a crazy situation until we obviously moved into our into the uh the offices at the train station which was obviously much more you had soundproofing and, and it was much more professional <laughs> but you know what that that was it because in 2012 it just it, it it just exploded so it was a really again if you didn't like that environment and that and that speed you could get very sort of like you know anxiety attacks i suppose and, you, and then, then you've got to move on but for me it was like this is great this is great no in, indeed and um i was one of those in in in, in the with the early stages of 2012 that came in and um yeah it was it was uh it was a busy time um busy hiring they used to do the onboarding onboarding was a week i think was it two weeks not sure i think it was a week um and i remember i used to go in on a friday afternoon after they already had their brains melted by this new technology and i used to go forget everything you ever heard mm -hmm. okay this and, and told them how it was you know from a sales perspective anyway um it's like you've got to follow the sales process um and you know we had various uh sales guys coming in thinking yeah we're going to do this and again some crashed and some um just flew mm. in it and you can tell that and i, I always remember looking at the, the car park mm. the staff car park because in 2012 you had i mean you were driving something ridiculous at the time i don't know what that was um like a people carrier and um oh my kia sports yeah the sports hours whatever now that's and, very handy because when we had to move from noel hill into and put stuff in storage i think 
Ian had a Maserati. He loves his fast cars. Or he had a Porsche by then. I think it was a Maserati. So the, the Sportage could flat back down and actually put desks in. So my job was to actually move like chairs into. That's enterprise was, mobility. <laughs> it's just crazy. And again, to save costs, you know, yeah. don't hire a van and put it all in there, put it in Jamie's car. No, I, I just remember from the car park, people were starting to be successful. And you could see that where, where people upgraded cars. Yeah. You upgraded yours, I upgraded mine. Dave, you were coming in on a Porsche or something, weren't you? No, not oh, back that then. Back then, I was, <laughs> uh, I, was, I was getting the train. I was, I was motorcycling, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry, you were one with the, one of the motorbike. <laughs> yeah, the, but... the motorbike crew of uh, Airwatch. <laughs> thing I want to touch on is is the B word, which is Brexit. And I'm only going to say this because do you think Airwalk should have been successful if Brexit had happened back in 2011, 2012? Because don't forget, we had Italians, we had the Spanish, we had the Dutch, we had Germans, we had the French, all in one office. And they came from abroad to yeah. come and work at Airwatch. Um I suppose now everyone's got used to sort of like teams and unified comms and that kind of stuff. But I don't, I think from a work ethic, from getting along with your colleagues and really truly understanding and also shouting around ideas, rights and wrongs, getting that team environment was absolutely important, I, I would say. I'd, I'd say people really, even the social side, you know, a lot of um, friendships were formed and still are. They still are, yeah. Um, so I think never take away the power of people coming together um, and communicating that space. And I, I know we can do it all via teams, but physically I think it's, it's very important. It's interesting now when you've got to have this hybrid working environment and anybody looking now to... Because one of the key things that came out of Airwatch, I think, was the dynamic, was the uh, was just the... The vis just the excitement, and I think if you've done that on a Teams call on on Zoom call, I don't think you'll get that that measure of excitement that you did physically being together. It was kind of like we're all in. It was it was proper all in, and then let's go for it. You know, you're on the bus. Let's go mm. and let's go for this next two years. We can see where we're going to be in, in two years. Remotely, do you get the same? I don't know. I would question that you wouldn't. I think um, one thing to note though, at that point in time, a lot of people that we hired were. Um, people from the European Union living in the UK and it was seen as quite an attractive thing like a lot of our kind of language support were actually people living in the UK that spoke Italian, French, mm. German um, and is that the same today? I think it is I mean I, I work for a company that is global I, I manage a global team and the UK is actually quite an attractive place for international companies like time zone wise you get an extra hour with the US that Europe mainland mm. Europe doesn't have if you hire in France it's very difficult to manage low performers and and things like this in the yeah. UK it's kind of a nice balance between the very kind of liberal French side and the very draconian US side it's kind of a happy medium for a lot mm. of companies so um, I think the biggest challenge that Brexit brings is that you know if you're a company and you've got like a legal entity in the UK You've also got to have one in mainland Europe if you want to transact there. Mm -hmm. So I think mm -hmm. there's some 
kind of legal and commercial reasons why you you can invest in the uk but it's been a bit more difficult now you've got to also think broader and, and further into yeah, Europe. no absolutely and and i i my my personal opinion is that i don't think it would have worked as well because i, I remember i was putting people up in my house mm. um before they found somewhere to live they you know they'd come over from wherever um i remember there was a, a spanish lad uh he goes you know yeah you stay with me and a spare room and until they found a place that happened a couple of times as well mm. and uh of course um what's his name who's our buddy in spain peter peter Shushkuman. yes scooby-doo <laughs> yeah scooby used to stay at mine um when he flew in even though he was you know working in the netherlands or whatever yeah or living in spain working in the netherlands yeah um he used to stay with me and we used to sort of commute in together so it was interesting but you're right as a as a group um again on the sales side of it you probably miss this day but come fridays it was like you know what we've worked hard all week it was like four o'clock <laughs> everything on. music on you know <laughs> everything was put away the golf sets came out and we were doing the putting up and down the music was playing yeah. and we were literally saying okay who's djing this week and, <laughs> yeah. and what was the music and then you had the French going, shush, shush, I'm still working, I'm still working. Yeah. Shut up, it's five o'clock. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And so you're right, there was this massive camaraderie uh, mm. that, that went on. Yeah. And, you know, whether you were German, French, Italians, going back to the Wolf of Wall Street times, <laughs> let's say, um, the Christmas parties. <laughs> Do you remember those? Vaguely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the first hour, I think. <laughs> I think the best thing about Chris, the Christmas parties was that everyone knew it was going to be absolutely brilliant. And uh, yeah. you were just guaranteed. I think the that was the one time that the company were like, right, the budget's not a limit. Um, let's just celebrate a good year and, you know, have, have a good one. And, you know, there was a lot of money put in mm. into them. Uh, the budget, you know, drinks on tap basically that you didn't have to worry about any of that i remember one story there's one guy um we we had the party at the zoo that's it yeah. and um someone we, got... we're not naming names are we? no we're not, well <laughs> you can do i can't remember his name dave coleman yeah dave coleman dave coleman yeah got lost yeah. In the zoo. Was in yeah. That's the only time I think we had to, <laughs> we, we <laughs> had to invoke the HR uh, next of kin policy because he, he just went AWOL. Yeah. And <laughs> in he, the middle of Woburn <laughs> Safari. It's like probably not the best place to go AWOL. We didn't see him <laughs> for like two or that. three days. That was the thing. It was like, has he been yeah. eaten or something? We didn't know. Everyone was like someone had to go around his house and yeah. bang on his door. But super concerned, weren't we? It was a bit crazy. It was like what? And um I just remember flipping egg. I just didn't drink that much. There was always um, some drama, though. Every single Christmas party had a yeah. drama that was, like, commented yeah. on the following week. And Was there a car crash in one or someone <laughs> left a car in a bush? I don't know. <laughs> We're not surprised. <laughs> but I think you're right. I think everybody sort of, like, everybody in, in, in the company worked so super hard all year. And, of course, we were all, we were all successful. And I think it was, it was a proper let your hair down, guys. Just enjoy yourselves and... Um, and get on it and mm. i think everybody was like you know what I, I, with with that tired from working as as we have it's, it's it was a great it was always a great atmosphere great and so i always remember i used to do uh a lot of shots and then my my uh, dancing skills after that were fantastic and I, <laughs> I used to do my grease stuff on the dance floor and everybody was wowed by it and said well didn't know you could do that jamie okay so and i fell asleep really in the corner you know we've spoken about the early days um the challenges we still sold technically 
it was a bit flaky, but you know what? We were still selling it and it was still being developed and still being built. Uh, and then we come onto the real success when we were flying high. Now, you don't have to answer this, Jamie, mm -hmm. but it'd be good if you did. What was your biggest paycheck in that month, one month? Oh, uh, so I think, uh, I, don't, I, I don't, I will, I do know because I kept the, I think it was about 20 or 30k i think something like that i'm not too sure but i've kept i've kept the actual i know i've still kept it because it's like a souvenir yeah. never never been repeated by the way i'm just saying that because <laughs> the only reason i say it is because jamie um in my opinion i think it's it's known that was probably the top performer sales performer in the company <laughs> without a doubt um jamie was just smashing it month after month quarter after quarter and so, you know, it was like, you came out with, like, I think my biggest paycheck was like 20. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And uh, then Evans took some of that away and gave it to the freaking States anyway. <laughs> bastard. But um, yeah, so Jamie was one of those guys that, it's kind of funny, he got involved when he wanted to get involved in all the camaraderie. But this is a guy that his head was down, bang, bang, numbers, 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 numbers all the time. Yeah. Now, I know as an SC and in the tech, it was slightly different. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll say like it was, I was brought in very cheap and like it wasn't until Mobile Iron started poaching our technical staff that mm. I got called into Ian's office one day and was given a 40% pay increase. Yep. <laughs> it was like, it was like they were so concerned that they'd been, I mean, I, I was quite at that point in my career, I was quite privileged to work there because it was, was fast, fast paced. Mm. Um, I was get the, the value I was getting was not monetary. It was more the experience and the exposure we're working with big companies mm -hmm. and like i was working with like nokia ubs you know, the jaguar land rover like i'd never be a be um, imagining i'd be working with these like massive companies um so i was very poorly paid and I, I i i reflect on that now and i'm like i'm not bitter about it you know i got a small payout when they when vmware came in but um you know it it was the platform I needed to get onto my mm. the next step in the ladder, right? <laughs> this is it, and, and I'll, I'll touch on that in a minute. But that brings me on to the, the sort of the, the announcement, the VMware announcement. Now there was a lot of um, Chinese whispers going on. Uh, where, where's Ian? No, he's gone to the states. And the way the company was being built, the the structure of the sales force. You know, we had to have everything on there. And it had to be bomb proof. Mm um for for our our, our um our salesforce leads and, and what was going on and what was going to close and all the rest of it we knew something was going on but i still i personally was not aware of no you know it was going to happen and it, the way it happened um we came in one morning um something something was something an email came out didn't it mm. uh and uh i was like what <laughs> and next thing you know you got zoe bringing in bottles of champagne yeah everywhere I'm like, oh, we've just been acquired. And I remember everyone's like, what's that mean for our shares? And everyone was looking at you know, our shares. You're not because they're air watch shares. <laughs> and, and it was like, oh, great. How, how much, you know, can we divest? Is it the, that's the word? Yeah. There was a lot of share talk going around. But uh, again. Yeah, I'm, investing and all that kind of stuff was every, you know, 25% a year and all that kind of stuff. But the, the, the thing was like, you know, is it Airwatch shares? Are they going to be converted? And VMware were superb. It's like, you know, it's one for one and all that kind of stuff. But mm. you still have to wait. Every, every <laughs> that's what yeah. people hanged on because they're like, 
you know what, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get my shares at least. So I think I was I was quite ignorant really about what what that meant. Uh, same as me. You know, same VMware me. coming in and purchasing on the face of it, it's like wow, I'm a VMware employee. That that can only be a good thing. And mm. um, but I think again, reflecting and having worked with some of the companies I worked with since, um, you know, that was the point where it went from startup to big corporate kind yeah. of company, and it was like. That was actually the time I, I kind of realized, yeah, I need to get out and yeah. you know, I need to move yeah. on. The that bubble was, then was burst. It yeah. was interesting. Yeah. And then that was the change because, yeah. um, again, from a sales perspective, it was guys that were, were hungry, guys mm. that wanted to do the sale from start to finish. And all of a sudden, when VMware came in, mm. everything had to go via the channel. Yeah, and the other thing was that you was, you was from selling AirWatch, you was a big fish in a small pond and then selling Airwatch with VMware, you was a very small fish to the point where, you know, you was a disruptor to the, to the VMware sales rep, the core sales rep. So you couldn't even get to have that conversation and really drive. And one of the key things about being part of Airwatch, you was driving that. I say with your team, it was kind of like you own it. You was accountable and it was great. So I'd work with Dave and we'd work on a deal. We'd go to Jaguar uh, Land Rover. And then we'll, we'll work that and work that and really get bonded with those, with those CIOs, security mm -hmm. level people, everybody. And because obviously we, we had integrity and we had trust. But if you go there when VMware acquired, it was kind of like, well, Jaguar uh, Land Rover is now owned by VMware and it's a I don't know, $80 million account. So you're yeah, 400 grand or whatever you're selling that AirWatch. You don't even come mm. in there, guys. So basically stay away and i think but that was the thing i think that that's why things change right well, initially airwatch was a was so important to companies that they they had to buy it yeah um there wasn't the microsoft there wasn't really anything else that you could buy in addition to an mdm it was a point solution and so people had to buy it i think by the end it was uh something that you would buy as well as some other technology so with like intune and microsoft it's like well you know I'm, you know it, everything that I've seen from the AirWatch days is actually a consolidation of bigger companies. So like Citrix took on, you know, whatever their, that yeah, solution. Yeah. Was, it Fiber? was it Fiber? Fiber Link? I don't know. I think it was Fiber Link got bought by one, didn't it? Yeah. And like, you know, the mobile uh, iron is now with Ivanti. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it all starts consolidating until you've got the market today where you still got uh, VMware, but a lot of people go for Intune because you get it free with Office 365 and things like this. And mm -hmm. so, Going from a point solution to part of a broader topic, I think that's why things got less fun for the sales team was that <laughs> yeah. not just the acquisition, but also the market yeah. consolidated. Yeah. And so um, it's bound to any technology that is so disruptive is ultimately going to get acquired at yeah. some point or yeah. IPO if it's, if it's great. But it's, uh, uh, that's the problem, I think, with finding something so disruptive in the market. Yeah, and um, why it can't last forever? No, and that's probably why Ian said at the time, you know, make hay while the sun shines. We are there. We are super important as a technology. We are unique, but you know, in thirty-six months, we are just going to be a commodity mm. product, and we're going to get soaked into that. A hundred percent. And um, I suppose when the acquisition happened, we knew that at some point the writing was on the wall because we then had to become more corporate. Um, they brought in different people. Um, HR, we had to <laughs> Yeah, we're not going to talk about, we can talk about HR, but, um, you know, you know, Adrian went, I went, 
Yeah. Um, before that, when Adrian went, we they brought in some some guy. Um, but I think that's really important because the atmosphere that we created up to that point, like Thursday Thursdays, like having the music playing on a four o'clock because we've worked super hard on a Friday just to chill out for the weekend. We kind of like lost that spirit. Yeah. And we couldn't, we, we weren't allowed to carry on that. And it was a bit of a like, drain yourself down, have a nice weekend because on Monday morning, you've got to be on it again. And it was that intense atmosphere. And like everybody was like accepting of that. And I think when you get to that corporate level, like you say with VMware, where you've got other people walking around and it's like, oh, can I say this? Can I say that? What am I supposed to do? It's all, people just got very, very. Um, and that was the downfall of some people, let's say. Yeah, well, it, but, and it, but also going to Dave's point, it, it, it then becomes a bit of a boring uh, environment to work in because the fun would just got zapped out of it. And it was kind of like, I don't know if I like this now. Yeah. And, and as you said, Ian said, make hay while the sun shines. We did. Mm. to life after Airwatch and what that meant for for us as individuals um and the the good news is is that recruiters and employers were looking at people from Airwatch and saying we want people like that in our organization so overnight you could double your basic salary yeah uh, and and say look you want me? This is what I can do. And, you know, I even wanted to mirror in a sales organization what we did at Airwatch. Yeah. Because, you know, we're not going to do that again. Or, you know, that, that was a unicorn um, in our lifetime. So we're going to come across another Airwatch where it was that much fun. Um, we made that much money and it was acquired for, you know, 1.56 billion yeah. um, in the end. It's rarely going to happen. And if you come across that two or three times in your life, in your working lifetime, good for you. Um, but for, for, for us, life, well, for myself, life after Airwatch was even better um, because we walked into a, a jobs that paid, um, had structure, <laughs> all of a better word, and um, we were respected. Uh, so for if that if that's a thing mm-hmm. i don't know how how you you came across yeah, I, I suppose yeah i think the i think unbeknown to everybody the airwatch tag was gold dust and is gold dust because i think the airwatch legacy and and sort of like what we created i think everybody talking before learned so many skills that they didn't think they would learn or they just learned because we was in that environment and to take them forward and to try and put them into other organizations i think is gold dust and we, we've all absorbed those skills and, and, and everybody else who was at Airwatch. So I think the tag has been fantastic. And I think from a maturity point of view, uh, we've, I don't think obviously speaking to the broader family of Airwatch, I think everybody's been successful, which is, which is super good. Well, I think it, I mean, you going, going back to your point, like, uh, what you learn in three or four years, what other people take 20 years to learn. Yeah. I think you, you're thrown in at the deep end. Yeah. If you failed, you know, Single it was forgi- it was very forgiving, like from that perspective. If you failed, you failed, move on to the next one and think 
you learn incredibly quickly yeah. when you're given that kind of level of freedom. Um, but going back to, you know, the, the legacy, I think um, when we were preparing for one of the Mobile World Congresses, um, I remember Ian saying, like, this is going to be shit. Like, you're going to have a terrible week. But, you know, this is going to be the the highlight of your career. He he knew it. He knew it was going to be really hard for everyone. Mm. But the people that went were going to be able to look back in their career and say, yeah, this is where, you know, we saw a turning point in history of, of that particular technology mm. and that legacy. And we'll be talking about it 11 years from now. And it's like exactly the case. You know? <laughs> this is what we're doing. And talk about legacy so when I, I i remember it's still like it was yesterday we there was we're still in touch i mean you know jamie and i we lived in the same town until i moved to the, the country um but one of the strangest things is that a lot of the airwatch employees are still in touch with each other mm. um seeing how everyone's doing all the rest of it and there was this little chat about oh the office is closing and uh i, I remember getting a message i, I think it was uh from Sam, not not Sam in Australia, um, uh, someone someone else, and they said, "Oh, yeah, we're having a few drinks in Milton Keynes, say goodbye to the office." And I'm like, "Yeah, okay, I can do that." Thinking maybe you know, ten fifteen people might rock up. Some of the techies will be there because <laughs> they like a beer and their craft beer, and some of the sales guys uh, would be there. And I was absolutely blown away by the amount of people that rocked up to this. I'm not talking 20 or 30 people. I'm talking a couple of hundred. Yeah. Mac, you know, total people saying goodbye and faces you hadn't seen in a few years. Um, they were there. And you now we talked about people that, you know, we loved and lost at mm. Airwatch as well, because yeah. there's a few of those as well. But I was just overwhelmed. Even Ian was there mm. yeah. um, to say goodbye. And there was a good, I don't know, 150, 200 people, yeah. I think. I wasn't, I didn't make that one, I'm afraid. But I think it also proves the value of what everybody individually took away from Airwatch to make the effort in their own personal time to greet friends. And I think, you know, the other key thing, and I think that's that's one of the key aspects of Airwatch. There was a lot of friendships and there, there continues to be. There was a lot of marriages. There was a lot of um, babies. babies. <laughs> um, but everybody was really, you know, don't get me wrong, it wasn't all harmony. We we had fights, we lost territories, we lost accounts because we was growing, we, we was all, you know, toys out and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we never, you know, one of the key things was that we all fought together. We never wanted to lose a deal. Always remember, scorched earth, do what you can, do, win the deal, grow it, expand, it's land and expand, all of the buzzwords that you hear now. And it was it was really true. And I think when you go into the trenches and fight like that together, and when you get the results and that family's formed and that trust and integrity is uh, formed, and I think that's when you get to a an event four years later, whatever, and you say, oh, we'll just rock up and there might be 10 people, you'll get 100 odd plus people. And they'll all have stories to tell. They'll all have, you know, stories of going into battle, losing and winning. And, you know, at the end of it, they'll all come out with a smile on their face. So, you know what, it was kind of fun. No, know? absolutely. Like I said, I bumped into Ian Evans, you know, years later at an event and literally... He was at One Trust, I think he was one of the yeah, he was the boss of One Trust or whatever. Uh, literally sitting in a hotel drinking whiskeys um with some of his team around him, or lackeys as I would call him. Um <laughs> and we're having a laugh about our time at Airwatch and you know, we mentioned HR, I'm not gonna mention it too much. <laughs> um not gonna get sued, but um the the ridiculousness that went on there. But that's what happens in a growing company and, yeah. and now we've we've uh, matured 
And um, even if we took 10% of what we do today um, from what we did at Airwatch, we'd be it'd still be successful and still make that drive. Um, so, But I think also that everybody's still got I think everybody is still wanting that desire. Everybody's saying, God, I want to go back to a, like a startup again. I want to go back to an Airwatch or whatever it may be, a disruptor of the industry. Because... I'm still hungry for that. And I think that's the great thing from everybody because mm -hmm. they've learned so much. And now we can go in and put, put all of our inputs in. And I think that's something that everybody's taken away as well. They feel confident now of going into that environment and saying, well, actually, we should do like Dave's done. Yeah, you've got a fancy title now, haven't you, Dave? What are we doing now? <laughs> well, right now, I, I basically lead the solutions engineering team for a company called Odisever. And so it's kind of Salesforce ecosystem. I wouldn't say it's kind of like an um, a unicorn like Airwatch. It's very... Um, is a very different technology. Like we're not trying to burn through two hundred million dollars in a year to kind of like grow the company and market share and things. It's very uh, different. But I think that is um, a casualty of twenty twenty three and mm. the, this kind of post COVID era is that companies can't just burn through money, like spend five dollars to make one dollar, and then hope that your market share is going to carry you into an acquisition or an IPO. I think it's a lot it's a lot more difficult to do that these days but one unique thing that w from my career is post uh, airwatch uh, I went to work for Vodafone because I was like you know they were offering big money for me, for people with our skill set um like you said you know it was uh, so I thought right I'm going to spend a spend some time make some money um a year after that um I was bored of working for a company that would get excited over a 1% growth <laughs> and so um you know I, I was quite thirsty for that startup mentality again yeah. and obviously one trust is has a lot of dna in airwatch um, and subsequently manhattan associates those three companies are kind of uh children and, and grandchildren of each, each All other. Into <laughs> and so i was the first direct hire in emir for one trust um reporting to the ceo uh then which was a ex uh, airwatch product manager kabir um Six months into that journey, we were going through rapid hiring and we had a lot of money from John because he was he was bankrolling the, the seed round. Uh, Ian Evans walks in one day, announces he's the managing director of uh, OneTrust. I'm like, <laughs> I, I was excited. I mean, he, um, uh, he, he, you knew if Ian was going to be involved in it, it there was going to be some, some fire. There was going to be some uh, growth and potential and, it actually gave me a bit of reassurance as to, you know, the company that I was in. Mm. Um, it was also a very good lesson to me not to burn bridges, right? Because uh, when I handed my notes in at Airwatch, I did it incredibly respectfully. I didn't do anything or upset anyone that, you know, would affect anything. And thank God, because... <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Mr. Horton. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would have been uh, really awkward to then, you know, have Ian as your managing director part two and... Uh, you know, to make a success of it. So sure. um, I was quite fortunate in a way because I obviously a completely different arena. It was data privacy uh, as a result of GDPR and things like we were building technology that solved that problem. And so maybe in a similar way, but maybe not with the same level of excitement with like mobility, it was the same kind of uh, there's a product in the market. It's new to every enterprise. There's no uh, solution that does it yet. And so it's kind of on the cusp of something. So um, that company's obviously gone on to be you know, very valuable. It's very uh, um, big now. You know, they um, they've got a valuation of like five or six billion. You know, it's a 
super successful but um yeah i was i had a really unique kind of story because uh, a lot of the people that went to work for one trust i was you know there's a lot of people that came to to work there like blake brannan for example yeah. you know he came mm. to join uh one trust i was working with him very closely uh, a lot of the the people that uh that ian was managing like christoph and you know some of these people it was part two you know it was uh i think it wasn't the same camaraderie that airwatch had i think airwatch was a very special point in time mm. um but it was a different company because uh one trust i don't think ian had the same autonomy that he had at airwatch he was airwatch he was just given a bucket load of cash and said right build build me a, an EMEA uh you know uh, company and uh he did that excellently yeah, he, he didn't have that did. autonomy yeah. but <laughs> and, did. And, and jamie um from the airwatch days have you got because as again i i will say it and i've said it i've even said it in interviews you know the best sales guy at airwatch was jamie brown <laughs> don't Thank care hands much. down <laughs> It was part of a team. I don't know. I'm humble and, and thanks for that. But I think we were, we were all super um, successful, certainly at Airwatch, and we all had that hunger and desire. I think from, from Airwatch, I stayed in that EUC space, which has been good. Um, but I think like most, most organizations, getting back to that um, hungry startup organization is what we all thrive, is where our skill sets are. So, so, so. Yeah, been 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 good now. Probably at the latter end of my career, but then I also, you know, think you know when you think Airwatch was ten years ago, could I do it all again? I think yeah, because I think this, the excitement's still there, and I think as we've uh, matured, we're still we're still fighting fit. So, mm. and I'm sure well, if I went to the gang now and said, look, you know, we're going to form a company and it's going to be headquartered in Northampton because Dave can get here <laughs> and you can, you know, you're you're away now. I'm sure everybody will say, look, when when where where do I sign and where do I start? I I I'd second that 100. percent and it's always something in the back of my mind. Who can I get? Who can we grab and whatever? Yeah. You know, from my point of view, um, I can't really complain. Um, career went up and up. I'm now head of sales for UK Europe. Um, I, I work with the big banks. Um, I do this, of course, uh, which uh, gives me some great autonomy to, to interview CISOs and C-level people and understand their journeys. Um, but yeah, this episode was about discussing airwatch mm. the fun times uh the the wolf of wall street times as i call them um you know we didn't we don't have to touch on all individuals but you know i, I will say that do you know what ian evans um did a damn good job yeah absolutely. um still shake your hand and check your rings afterwards <laughs> but um he did an amazing job uh of finding people building this business and um, making a lot of people successful. He um, did. He I, did. You know, I touched on the car park thing, and you know, over the months and years, you saw the cars get you know faster and bigger and louder. And um, uh, for me, that's where you can see the success. So yeah, I'm going to thank you both for coming. I know the likes of Marenza tried to get here, but there was a big traffic jam down here. Ross Cleary tried to get here, new job, so he couldn't do that. Spano. He would have been great, but he's stuck in Italy. So yeah, that's a good thing. That's a good thing to know. <laughs> um, we'll probably do a part two at some point and get some of the gang together to talk about that. But um, David, Jamie, thank you for joining me nice on you. this Christmas nice. special. Thank you.